Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. Now on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another empowering episode of The Unstoppable Singer. I am your host, Danielle Tucker. The Unstoppable Singer is an interview-style show where I dive into the lives of real-life professional singers, and these singers have achieved some incredible feats in their lives and careers. We like to explore the challenges and the triumphs that come with a life under the bright lights, and we learn what being unstoppable truly means to them. So if you are passionate about music and stories of remarkable artists, then you're in the right place. So stick around because we're going to jump right into it. And I want you to allow me to introduce you to the remarkable Kara Britz. From her musical roots in Kansas City, Missouri, Kara has charted an extraordinary path in the world of music. The youngest of three musically gifted siblings, she was destined to make her mark in the industry. Her remarkable journey took a turn uh, when she had the privilege to sing I'm Sorry as a special tribute to Brenda Lee at the coronation in 2001 with Brenda in attendance herself. And this led to a cherished mentorship with Brenda Lee, all thanks to the Apple Blossom Festival. Uh, Two weeks after graduating high school, her parents gave her the green light to chase her musical dreams in Los Angeles. She attended the Musicians Institute and quickly found herself singing on major label records alongside established artists. Uh, Her journey blossomed from there with international tours, performances alongside iconic musicians like Cher and Joe Cocker, and a groundbreaking role as a backing vocalist on NBC's The Voice. Uh, Kara's uh, career has taken her to remarkable places and introduced her to legendary artists. Her journey is a testament to the unwavering support of her family, including her brother, Corey, and sister, Kelly, who played pivotal roles in her life and career. Today, she continues to make her mark in the music scene, sharing the stage with artists like Blake Shelton and joining the touring band of Grammy Award winning artist Lauren Daigle. So get ready for an incredible episode as we dive into her remarkable life. Please welcome Kara. Hello. Hello. That was so nice. (laughs) Well, it's all true. So (laughs) it's kind of cool when you hear it back like that, though. Yeah. 20 years of craziness down to that's awesome. It's been a big career for you. So we have a lot to talk about, which is awesome. But catch us up today. What's going on in your life these days? Who what projects are you involved in right now? Yeah. So right now I'm actually um trying to float two tours. Um so I've been I'm full time with Blake Shelton, country artist. I met him while filming The Voice. I still try to get back to The Voice as often as I can um, as the vocal contractor there in their house band and one of the three uh, resident house BGVs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm currently spending most of my time with this Christian artist, Lauren Daigle, mm-hmm. who 
is so special. Like she's just got this voice with so many awesome little pockets and facets of just husk and air and texture and us oh, yeah. love her voice so i fell in love with her when she came on to the to the voice and we met there and uh thankfully i've been able to tour um and her touring band on her kaleidoscope tour so that's currently what i'm up to yeah that's amazing and you know i mean these are obviously two artists who have had uh long careers but you happen to be catching them at like peak moments in their careers. That's got to be incredible to be involved in that. Yeah, I feel really lucky. feel really lucky. Um, I've been with Blake full time for I think like nine years, but I subbed in for his previous backing vocalists uh, in 2013. um, Mm -hmm. She's also an artist in her own right. And so I was able to kind of sneak my way in there, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. And then um, with Lauren, it was really just the the voice you know the voice opening that door and a lot of times when these artists start to become bigger artists they're able to bring live backing vocalists on the road with them which is mm-hmm. something they all crave because you know we can have their backs you know yeah. during the live shows and things that maybe lived in the box for for their previous tours you know whether it's club tours or whatever it's just sort of you know allowing more bodies on stage and more of a budget. So I've been really, really lucky to yeah. uh, sneak in. <laughs> yeah. Was that, would you say, um, it sounds like Blake Shelton was the first invitation that you got prior to, to Lauren, but mm-hmm. was that just an absolute like, holy crap moment when you're being invited to join him on tour? <laughs> yeah. You know, it was funny because I was, I was singing in the voice band and I was singing with, I think at that point, I'm pretty sure at that point it was Stevie Mackey and Denise Janae, Apollo Jane on Instagram, but Stevie and Denise and I, we were the house backing vocalists. And I remember we had done this like pre-tape, we were filming The Voice and we were about to go live at 5 p.m. But at like 4.15, they wanted to do this pre-tape with Adam Levine and this like reggae group that he was featured on a song. Mm-hmm. And like at the last minute, they throw me in these thigh-high boots, sandwich me between like, two people with rhythm <laughs> and then I'm out there like singing this like reggae song <laughs> already feeling a little out of my own body but I'm like okay I think I survived and so I go back to the bandstand after we finish the pre-tape and Blake gets up from his chair you know the red chairs and he walks all the way across to me and I'm like is this man really about to walk all the way across in front of the audience to like make fun of what just happened because oh like, no about to do and I was like hey Blake and he goes hey and I said how can I help you can I you know you need something he's like um what are you doing next year and I was like oh I hope you're about to tell me I thought you were coming over to make fun of me and my dance moves you know like I'm completely like you know getting that like adrenaline rush from just having performed and he was like well would you like to come out on the road with us we're gonna go out on the road in February and and I need a I need a backing vocalist and I was just hoping you were available and I was like yeah and that was literally it like that that's how that went and I was like I thought I was about to get made fun of I booked a little short tour and, you know, he only goes out for like five or six weeks at a time and it just couldn't have been more perfect. And so, yeah, that's literally how it started. So, oh man, what a dream come true. That's so awesome. And with him being the personality that he is, I'm sure he made up with many jokes to follow after (laughs) missing that opportunity. (laughs) I think on a, um, 
I used one of those mats that you put on like in front of your sink because mm -hmm. my back hurts so bad because I'm, I'm just traveling and everything. Like you just are always in pain, you know? And so mm -hmm. I was like, possible for me to get one of those like mats and kind of like, like a hairdresser would use. And I guess Blake's mom was a hairdresser. And he's like, every time I turn around and look at this stupid mat, I think of my mom and it just makes me laugh. And I'm like, sorry, it's just these boots and heels and everything. They wear you out. So, yep. yeah. Oh, I hear that. I know. I've complained <laughs> about that myself, um, you know, just like trying to wear heels for a four hour show and someone suggesting like, oh, why don't you get one of those, you know, mats or like a carpet or something to stand on? And I'm like, sure, I'll be the only one out there. <laughs> I'm happy, to be, with it. happy to be heard. Uh, approaching 40, I'm 37. I'm like, I won't age myself that much, but approaching 40, I'm like, I'll be her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm inspired now. You've just definitely influenced me. Right. I love <laughs> That's it. Great. So mm -hmm. then how did the um Lauren Daigle invitation come to be? So you you met on the set of The Voice. Met on the set of The Voice, which we're gonna see a common theme. That show has just changed my life. It's mm -hmm. just, um but yeah, so Lauren came on and it was actually during COVID. And we hadn't been greenlit to like hire a lot of additional vocalists because there were so many rules. It was so expensive. You had to get a lot of extra testing and it was just really difficult to hire choirs during COVID. And so they weren't really open to hiring them at first to a lot of our contestants, which is where we were able to get a lot of our, you know, fellow singers extra work. Mm -hmm. But Lauren came on and she was um, promoting her new single, Hold On To Me, which is beautiful. If you haven't mm -hmm. heard it and you need some uplifting <laughs> lyrics, go listen to that song, Hold On To Me, Lauren Daigle. But she um, came on to promote that and she requested a choir. And so it gave us the opportunity to hire 12 people. And this mm -hmm. was like peak COVID where, you know, people were reaching out, letting me know like, hey, my wife's expecting, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my health insurance. Hey, I can't pay my rent. I am like without gigs, like nobody's out. My artist isn't able to give me any money right now. Like I'm on unemployment. So like, I've heard a lot of these stories and I'm like a bleeding heart. I, I don't know if you know about the Enneagram scale, but I am a two through yeah. and through. I'm a helper. Can't stand it if I can't help somebody. And so anyway, this request came in from Lauren and I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. Like I can hire people so specific for this song. Cause a lot of times you just have to hire really talented singers, mm -hmm. but sometimes you need to find like chameleons, you know, but mm -hmm. this was like specifically a choir for this specific song. So I hired like believers, um, people that needed health insurance. Like just, it was an opportunity to really pick up some of our community. Mm -hmm. and so we did. And and it really showed because we were all singing it just from like our heart. You know, it was yeah. like, we hadn't been able to sing together for so long. It was really special. Anyway, she found me after the after the performance and was like, thank you for that beautiful choir. I said, Lauren, we have to thank you. I said, these are all people that meant every word that they said, every word that you're trying to portray. And we were really proud to do this during prime time. Mm hmm like wow thank you and then she called me uh, about a month or two later saying hey I'm, I'm trying to book this band out I need some singers I don't know if you guys are available 
I said, well, we're all kind of booked out, but um, she said, well, could you put together an audition in LA just so I can meet some new faces or whatever? And I was like, absolutely. Like, yes, help her, you know? And so we did that and she met Brandon Wimbush, who's on the road with us now. Brandon is like a legend in his own right, but he came to that audition and blew her away. And then um, she found another fantastic singer at a Nashville audition. And so there's kind of been like a little bit of a revolving door of all of us just that works with our schedules and, um, and that's, and then she invited me to come out and sub for somebody that wasn't available about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And trying to just, I've just sort of been in that revolving door ever since. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, it was sort of like a maintained relationship. That one, that was a little bit of a different approach, you know? Right. And is that how it carries on too with you, with you working full-time with Blake? I would imagine his, his performances take priority and then you can fill in whenever possible with Lauren. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how we set it up. Um, you know, Blake, he'll never, he'll never say stuff nice about himself, but, um, uh, he's, he's one of the most loyal and thoughtful human beings. And he has truly supported me through some of the scariest times in my life, you know, Mm -hmm. like there was one time that I was suddenly single, thought I was going to be married. And that was Mm -hmm. just kind of, had my back through that. And then, um, and then through COVID, he was very supportive. And so, um, with all of that, you know, I was basically like, you're stuck with me as long as you'll have me. So (laughs) he's my number one. And, and yeah. And Lauren is just, you know, I want to be home a lot. I'm I'm happily engaged and we're getting married next year. And like, I want to be home and have that, but, um, it takes a truly special artist to make me want to go on the road. And, and Lauren is absolutely that, that girl, like she's Mm -hmm. just, she's doing something really unique that I think, um, we're kind of thirsty for right now because she's sort of that Christian crossover. So it's not like this, what, if you will, like, like a judgmental sort of, yeah you have to be like this and you have to believe what we believe. It's very much like an inclusive come here. If, if nobody said Hey to you in a week and you just feel lonely and you just want to come to a show where somebody is going to say, Hey, you know, like her fan base is so sweet. She's so inclusive. It's just a really special thing to be a part of. And it's a really cool thing to see like from our stage point of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a wonderful description of her because, you know, not, not knowing the background that, you know, I mean, of course I know her as an artist and everything, but that's exactly the vibe that I get from her. That is so on brand for her, you know, definitely the feel that you get from her music. She really is very, very special. And just, I mean, just as a human, but that voice insane. Love her. (laughs) And the song. behind her because it's just the way it all kind of comes together because I have a pretty husky voice myself and so all that cool texture coming through is really really neat when we can all four hit it you know yeah well what a wonderful experience that's incredible (laughs) well let's talk about everything that led up to this time in your life where do you where where's the what are the origins of your musical career? Are you coming from a musical? You are coming from a musical family, as we yeah. mentioned in your bio. Tell us about that and how you got your start. Yeah, um, my mom was a Christian singer, so that kind of feels full circle now that I'm touring with a Christian singer. Uh-huh. Uh, but my mom was a Christian singer, had all of us singing, had to go to piano lessons, had to just sort of like that was part of our foundation, mm-hmm. and then my brother was like six years older than me. And he was in college when I was in middle school. 
going into high school. And luckily he was going to the college that was really close to our house. It was right there in our hometown called Shenandoah University. Mm-hmm. And so he was actually really um, monumental and just teaching me like ear training and being patient with me and letting me sing on demos and stuff that him and his best friend, Justin were writing in the basement. They'd wake me up in the middle of the night and all that kind of stuff. So we would just like, that's where like the thirst and the knowledge that, Oh my gosh, this could maybe be a career and not just like a fun hobby or extracurricular thing. And, um, and then thankfully my parents, um, talked me out of college and into moving to Los Angeles when I was 18 because my brother and sister were already out here. My sister was modeling and my brother was um, already playing in different bands and stuff. So I moved here at 18 and I moved in with my sister, which gave everybody peace of mind. And she's a saint because I like didn't even know how to do my laundry. (laughs) I was miserable. The family completely spoiled. Um, but yeah, it was good. So she kind of helped me ease into adulthood and um, taught me a lot of stuff and kept an eye on me. And I just started saying yes to everything, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't really have a plan when I moved out here. Our backup plan was like, go to Musicians Institute um, if you start to feel like you're flailing. But um, never mistake that this is your career. Like, mm-hmm. we'll have your back as long as you're moving towards music, you know? And I remember I got a job at Victoria's Secret. I was going to Musicians Institute and they had this parking lot and it was like 80 spots or something. They were always sold the first day of the month. They locked it down by like 8.30 a.m. Every spot was gone. It was really expensive. I was like, I have to figure out a way around this. Like, this is like crazy competitive. I need a safe place to park because I was living way out Um, in Marina Del Rey with my sister. So it was like a long drive, driving into Hollywood. It's kind of sketchy at night, late classes, late sessions, whatever. So I walked across the street to Hollywood and Highland into the Victoria's Secret. And I asked the manager, I said, if I work a couple shifts a week, could I get free monthly parking in your garage? (laughs) And she was like, "Uh, I'll get back to you tomorrow. And so I left my phone number and she called me. She said, yeah. We can work that out. And I said, okay, great. So I made friends with the security guards, made friends with the security guards at the mall and the ones of MI. And like, they would kind of just keep an eye on me because that McDonald's there is kind of sketchy. And so you'd have to like walk by the McDonald's and there was this girl that hated me, always yelled at me every day. She was kind of (laughs) crazy. It would just make sure that I didn't get like, you know, the crap beat out of me. And then I would get to my car and and whatever. So like finding little ways around everything was, was sort of like, where I thrived because I never quite took no for an answer. It was more just like, okay, how can I make this work so that it makes sense for everybody, but that I can make this sustainable because it's just, you're, you're broke. You're 18. You don't really have your name in the industry yet. You're not really getting gigs. And if you are, they're probably free or like Mm -hmm. free. (laughs) They're going to ask money maybe. And so, yeah, that's kind of how it all started. Um, And then at MI, I just went to every audition and I just sure that, everything was gearing towards music. You know, I, I think I ended up working at Victoria's Secret for like two or three years. And then they offered me a raise and like a promotion. And I was like, oh my God, I think I have to quit. Cause this wasn't the, this wasn't the point. I could be doing this back home and this is starting yeah. to take a lot of time. And I'm so appreciative and it's absolutely helping me like sustain, but I gotta go. And then when I quit, that's when a lot of other like opportunities started coming into play. And so I think when you really lean into it, um, and trust that it'll come. It, it, yeah. it does, you know, more often than not, as long as you're open to whatever it is. I was yeah. singing in all kinds of bands. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Flashy. <laughs> 
(laughs) That is how, that's how it starts. But man, you're so clever, so resourceful. It's, it's, that's really a great story, you know, to tell about just how, you know, you just got to get, figure out how to make things work. And, and when you really have that mindset of like, no, or, you know, quitting is really not an option, then the solutions begin to appear. And, you know, if you're just willing to do things that are a little out of the box, and as long as they still, you know, somehow productively align with (laughs) what your goals are, you know, that's really smart of you. Um, I wanted to back up for a second because one important detail that I left out of your bio is your history as a drummer. Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. So, okay. You mentioned that you had to take the piano lessons, but how did the drum lessons start and what did that lead to? Yeah. You know, I, I always pride myself in like being one of the band guys, you know, like, uh, I really, it's funny, it's full circle now that my boss is married to her, but no doubt was like so exciting to me. Cause I was like, yeah. this is chick in an all male band. Like I love the Cranberries. I love No Doubt, like Tina Turner. It was just like anybody that was like hanging with the dudes playing rock and roll, but like still feminine and like still not, it was, it was cool. And so I really was like, how do I get in with my brother and his buddies and stuff? And, and I was like, I love the drums. I love rhythms. I've always been into like, like Paul Simon's albums, one of my favorite, the Graceland. Like I love that album. And it was like all, most of it was recorded down in Africa and some of it was recorded in Memphis. And it was just like all these cool little things, but it was really harmonies and drums and rhythm, like harmonies and rhythm are my two favorite things. And so thankfully for fourth, my fourth grade year, which would have been what, like 11 or 12, I got my first drum set for Christmas Mm -hmm. and let me start taking drum lessons. And then I ended up with this drum teacher named Steve Kastik and um, he literally became my best friend. It was funny, like his house kind of like smelled like mothballs and my mom was a little (laughs) nervous to leave me with this like late fifties single man, you know, for drum lessons. And so she kind of sat through a few of them and then, then she like graduated to hanging out in the car outside and then, then she was like, are you good? I'm like, I'm great. I love this man. I want to come here like for hours and hours on end and just play drums because I learned so much from him about life, about the industry, about drums. And like, he just really believed in me. And I credit him with a lot of, a lot of like the inspiration to really make this a career. Mm-hmm. He passed away, unfortunately, um, a couple of years ago from pneumonia, like long before COVID um, mm-hmm. 2015 or 16. But yeah, it was just really a special, special bond. And so the drums kind of let me be free. Like, I feel like I was naturally a singer, um, but drums, I had to really work at it. And, mm-hmm. and that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and do you still, uh, do you still play today? I haven't played in a long time. I needed to play. I feel like if I sat down, my muscles would be weak and I would have to do some work, but I do think that I could figure it back out because I was yeah. actually, professional drummer before I was a professional singer I got paid more to drum from like eighth grade through high school than I did to to sing so that was that was kind of cool but like musical theater productions and stuff like that wow at such a young age that's awesome (laughs) I I need to get better I need to get back into it honestly but uh, Mm -hmm. my brother still has all my drum kits up at his studio in North Hollywood so I'll have to go up there and you know, get rid of some frustrations or something. Yeah. <laughs> Every great. time I'm at the union strike, I can just go up there and maybe that'll be cheaper than therapy. Right. 
But just in case the singing thing doesn't work out eventually. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> so, okay. So you're, you're at the Musicians Institute. You're taking all of these auditions. You're saying yes to everything. You're doing mm -hmm. all of the bands, all of the, I'm sure, very like obscure projects and, you know, weird things that just don't seem to make sense at the time, but eventually do. So what, um, what leads to your first, what you would maybe call your first like breakout moment or breakthrough moment, like really into the business? Yeah. Um, the first thing I booked was Lindsay Lohan. She was performing on the AMAs and my brother, thankfully was the musical director of that mm -hmm. performance. And, um, but I still had to audition. I decided to come in an audition and she still chose me, thank goodness. But um, it was really a lot of the guys that I was in a rock band with at the time, my brother, our friend Jeff, um, our drummer friend LB, like we had all, a lot of us were already in a band. So thankfully we were all able to come in and back her up for that gig. And um, so that was like my first TV spot. And it was really cool. I'll never forget. We were just getting ready to go live. The curtains were closed and they were getting ready to open them. My brother came over and like gave me a little fist bump. And he was like, are you ready, bud? And I was like, ah, don't do it. Oh, <laughs> man. So that was really cool. And then um, it got a little quiet because she ended up canceling a lot of stuff. And so um, then I ended up actually being personal assistant for this singer-songwriter, um, Cara Diaguardi. Mm -hmm. And she had a publishing company and huge songwriter for all these like Disney pop kind of girls that were coming up. And um, so I worked under her. And then with that, I was able to sing on like some of like Selena Gomez's records and Hillary Duff's records. And then um, and then I ended up actually working at Jimmy Kimmel Live in the audience department for this company called One Iota. And through that, Toshi Yanagi, who plays guitar in the house band at Kimmel, came up to me one day and was like, hey, do you tour? Do you sing background vocals? And I was like, I can. You know, like, I didn't, you know, it was just sort of like I sing and I don't know what that means, but I was like, yeah, what do you need? And he was like, well, it's a tour in Japan. I'll get back to you. And I was like, okay. And then like, he quoted me this epic week rate that I was like, okay, yeah, you'll get back to me. Sure. And, and sure shit, he did. Sorry. It's sure enough he did. And I was like, okay. So next thing I know, I'm in Japan on this like massive Japanese tour with this guy that's like bigger than Elvis over there. Like he's just huge. Wow. And um our first show was for 70,000 people at the oh Tokyo. Like, oh my God. I'm singing in Japanese. I have cheat sheets like that you wouldn't even believe. And the first show was a live DVD. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Okay. It's like sink or swim time. But thankfully I swam and, and like that was really my biggest break because I was like, whoa, now I'm addicted. Like mm -hmm. now I'm addicted. That was an adrenaline rush that I don't ever want to like forget, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was, that was my first really big break. So I credit Toshi with that one kind of took me out of the crowd. So, yeah, yeah. I love that story. And <laughs> what it made me immediately think about is, um, you know, I, I have done so many interviews with just in singers that have had just incredible careers, many of your colleagues and, you know, mm -hmm. that have just um, worked with iconic stars and, and just, they have these amazing stories. And one common thing that seems to always emerge is that these singers put themselves in situations that were very far out of their comfort zone, you know, like just, 
just kind of said yes on a whim to something that made absolutely no sense. But there was that, just that inner drive, that inner hunger that tells a certain kind of person that like, yeah, that's not necessarily my thing, but it can be. And I know myself well enough to know that, you know, if I get this opportunity, I'll figure it out, you know? And it is just that like, I don't know that just that industrious nature or that grit, that resourcefulness, you know, would you say that 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 kind of describes you? Every single massive step that I've made in my life has been extremely out of my comfort zone. I mean, everything. I didn't even know that a vocal contractor was a job when Mm -hmm. I started voice. I didn't know. I had, Mm -hmm. I knew that they needed a background singer in the band. I didn't even know what a contractor did. Um, and I learned it and I figured it out and found an opportunity to, to really do that. And what's interesting is it's all these things that were completely out of my comfort zone, but slowly throughout my whole life, God was preparing me. Mm -hmm. I look back on it. I'm like, Oh, I actually do know how to do that. Cause my dad works with government contractors, you Mm -hmm. know, Sultan. He helps people understand government contracts. My mom was a Christian singer that ran my dad's companies and and helped him stay between the lines. You know, it was just kind of like he had these crazy ideas and mom would be like, maybe try this first and then we'll see. Mm -hmm. Like they had this cool connection. So she's got the musical thing. My dad's got the salesman kind of contractor thing going. And then you know, then I'm working at Kimmel because I can't make rent. And I find this amazing company called One Iota that really helped me be a day player. So like if I wasn't on the road or if I didn't have a session, I could come in and work on the show and and make my rent that month. You know, all the while I'm learning how TV works. Mm -hmm. I'm learning what the audio guys get annoyed by. I'm learning what the lighting guys need. I'm learning how annoying it is when somebody doesn't stay on their mark. I'm learning how annoying it is for somebody not to shut up or like just sit there and listen to what they need. And and all these little things have led to then suddenly I'm on this show called The Voice. Nobody knew what it was gonna become. I see all my friends from Kimmel. Now I'm a contractor. Now I'm able to help people make money and, mm-hmm. and like they're heard and, and taken care of and trying to advocate, but all learning like, I was learning the whole time. Like I, I, I'm not saying I had it all figured out, but mm-hmm. it's interesting how throughout your whole life, you're if you're just listening and you're watching and you're remembering things, when you look back, you realize, oh my God, this was all part of God's plan the entire time. Yes. Like, isn't it crazy that I ever worried? <laughs> you know, and I'm still worried to this day. Like I'm this week, I'm worried about something that like, I, it's crazy. And you know, and I had to remind myself, and I, you know, I got my Bible here, and it's just like, I. You stick to this thing and it's just, things just work out. I mean, it's just crazy. It's like, I'm, I'm really grateful that I have that underlying faith, but also just the sort of the receipts, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, all, it all made sense. Yeah, absolutely. I know that's, well, the, the, the worrying part, that's, a, that's a hard habit to get past, but at the end of it all, it, you do always have that lesson where you think back to all the moments in your life where you just stressed out so hard over something and tried to manipulate things and tried to move the pieces and control things on your own. And then at the end, everything works out awesome. And you're like, why did I kill myself like that? Why did I do that to myself and everybody around me? Yeah. <laughs> and the next lesson comes along. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And there's so many things you're just like, oh, that's so cringy. Like when you think about like back in your life, like old relationships oh, yeah. or old gigs or, you know, just the, the way you carried yourself, like, 
Oh, I'm glad for growth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Thank, thank God for second chances and yeah. <laughs> things like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, well, I, I want to go back to uh, the point of the the stepping out of your comfort zone because I think it is such uh, an important lesson for singers because. Um, you know, I, with so many young singers that that I work with, I see this uh, these limitations that they put on themselves. I'm sure because it's it's been put on them. They've been told that like, well, you you need to do steps A through K, you know, before you can do this, or you need to have these certain credentials. You need to have this certain kind of education, and they're just not quite able to picture themselves in situations above their supposed like pay grade. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they kind of stay at a certain level for a very long time. And I really had to learn that in, in my career as well. I mean, I had a corporate career before my professional singing career really took off, but something that was so valuable that I learned early on was having what we've just talked about is that something inside of you that kind of, you may not know the actual like technical know-how, but you know the belief that you have inside of you to like do the on-the-job training or just be, you know, self-aware enough or like bright enough to like gather the resources you need. But I have always been such a big advocate for shooting for those opportunities that you are not necessarily qualified to do. Because if you always picture yourself as an entry-level person, whether it's in the music industry or anywhere else, that's kind of where you're going to stay because that's easy, it's comfortable, and it's safe. But when you look at an opportunity that really doesn't equate to you on paper, but you know in your heart that that's really where the dream is for you. I feel like nine times out of 10, when you just go for it, it's not necessarily the qualifications that uh, a contractor or, you know, talent buyer, somebody is looking for. They're looking to work with the people that they like working with and have the talent and have <laughs> the integrity and have the work ethic and everything. And I mean, have you found that? It sounds like you have found that to be true in, in your own career. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I, I didn't go to college. Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't do all these fancy things. I don't have these fancy degrees and all this kind of stuff. And, um, but I'm really proud that my voice wasn't like trained up or that I tried to fit into a box because it's now made me uniquely myself. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, like when you get into a situation like the voice, like say I'm hiring a choir, I want people that are uniquely themselves, you know, like mm -hmm. not like a, like we got to bring you down and sort of like, you have to do this and it needs to be perfect. And you're not allowed to talk and no fun is to be, it's like, no, we want your personalities to come out. You know, like yeah. we want like, and, and especially in TV and, and, and this is just me speaking, like nobody has said this to me that actually knows TV, but I feel like when TV creators give you a budget and they want a choir, they want to hear and see 20 bodies. If they're paying for 20 bodies, they want to hear and see 20. Mm -hmm. They want it to sound like 20 people. It's not like one single voice. If they wanted that, they just have one person sing it 20 times. You know, it's like bringing all of those variables and those just kind of cool uniqueness that everybody has 
it creates this tapestry of what America is. And if you're in prime time, you know, it's like, it's really, really cool to see something super fancy, but it's also really cool to see something relatable. And that makes you yeah. feel, you know? And, and I only want to work with people that are positive and kind to everybody around them and knows how to pick their battles. Of course, like if, if there's something going on that's wrong and you need to talk to somebody, like 100% come to me and talk to me about it. But I want to be with people that aren't like stuck up and has to be perfect and my money better, be, you know, it's kind of like, okay, like we'll get there, you know, like it's okay. Like, let's just be, let's bring joy and mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get the check, you know, like they'll, they'll want to bring us back over and over and over again. And, and that's something that I'm really proud of at The Voice. You know, I always get so many compliments from stage managers, from producers, from from other singers, just that the environment that we've created over there at the show is just really positive. You know, it's mm -hmm. like they care of the singers. The singers are kind to the stage managers and kind of the crafty people and kind of the parking people. You know, it's just like you always get these these awesome like compliments and that like that makes me really really proud and makes mm -hmm. me like a crazy person asking for choirs all the time <laughs> i'm like <laughs> great a hundred people <laughs> that's Sometimes great that's that's a beautiful thing that's a wonderful contribution to make in the industry to be known for you know a person that can like cultivate an environment like that and so and i'm cool. sure that's just one of the many things that makes you so, you know, high demand and, and you know, desirable to work with. But that's our community, though. I gotta say, it, it's pretty easy to find. Our bench is deep out here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Like it's it's really special what we've got. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, we we've been talking about uh, the voice and everything, all the opportunities that have you know sprung from that. But how did that opportunity come about for you? The voice um, was through, okay, so there's this like management umbrella. Um, this guy, Roger Davies, he's incredible. He managed Joe Cocker, uh, Tina Turner, Cher, Pink, Sade. Those are like his five. Mm. Small, cute little tiny roster. Familiar and, with them. You might have heard of them. So anyway, thankfully, Paul Markovich, who's the musical director for The Voice, he was Cher's musical director, Pink's musical director, very, very entrenched in that world, in Roger's world. Mm -hmm. So they needed a sub. They needed a sub for Cher for some of her Caesars Palace residency that she was doing like back in like 2010. And so he called me and said, hey, could you sub in? And I said, absolutely. And so I learned the whole show. I had a 45 minute sound check <laughs> to learn this song and like practice the ones that maybe needed practicing. I was so it over my head again. And um, so I subbed in for like three weeks there because they just were like, their girls were out on the road with somebody else. Maybe Pink was out at the same time Tina was out, whatever. And so I did like three weeks there and I was like, thank you so much for the opportunity. This was amazing. I got to sing with Lisa Fisher. Lisa Fisher was the other girl on the gig. I'm like, are you kidding? Like she's fun. It's crazy. Anyway, that was nuts. So got to learn from her, sit next to Paul, sing with the three of them. Like it was really special. A uh, couple months later, Joe Cocker is going on tour and needs a background singer. Mm -hmm. So that was under Roger's umbrella and so I was like yes please so I did that that's a whole nother story I had a vocal surgery like two months before I went out on the road with them like mm -hmm. I didn't know how I was gonna sound I was singing soprano one of the scariest moments of my life um but I kept it quiet because mm -hmm. I 
anyway so did that thank god got through that went really well toured with joe for two years and then the voice came up in the first season of the voice i was already scheduled to be out with joe mm -hmm. season so um i called paul after season one of the voice aired and he said paul is it too late do you need another singer because that's special and you know I'm, I'm home now and whatever and they're trying to decide if i'm going to come back out with joe I'm just asking and he said i'll call you back in two days so he called me back in two days and said okay yes we want you and we want you to build a team help me build a team i said mm -hmm. okay great so i called joe and i said joe i've got to do this i think i got to do this voice thing he says you absolutely have to do it i'm old you got to do the voice i'll just have to start watching the voice now i'm like oh my god this is like one of my icons literally wow. and crazy it's also like cut to God always has it figured out. I was like nine in the back of my parents' car telling my dad I was going to sing backing vocals for Joe Cocker one day because it was the first time I really heard BGVs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a little help for my friends. It's just this guy with this growly voice within this like epic kind of gospel sounding yes. stuff. Like, I want to do that. Like, I want to be that girl. I don't have to be famous and I get to tour. And like, that sounds amazing. So anyway, cut to the voice. I started doing it in season two and it was all through Paul Murkovich. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's how that, that worked. It was just sort of like getting established in that world with that musical director. And then it just kind of coming full circle. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's great. It's so fun hearing about just how things have unfolded. And it's my favorite thing to talk about. It's just in, in, this career and in many other industries is just how, you know, planting one little seed will lead from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And as long as you are nurturing and watering and, and, you know, showing up and just kind of being the best version of you that you can always be, you, you really can't do much more. Most of it's out of your hands for the most part. Exactly. But, uh, just be nice, be kind, be on time. In fact, be early. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're exactly. Helpful. Don't be a pain in the butt. And <laughs> yes. Seems so easy, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does. It takes so much grit and resilience. So that kind of leads me to my final question that I always like to ask, which is what is it that makes you unstoppable? Oh, I was afraid of this. <laughs> I've been nervous <laughs> about this one. What makes me unstoppable? I think consistency and belief in myself and others. I think that makes me unstoppable. Like truly going with your gut, like mm -hmm. taking those steps for yourself and not throwing anybody else under the bus to get there. Mm -hmm. you know? But what's going to be authentic and something that believes in myself, but also pushes me across the finish line. So we talked about the grit, the tenacity, the, oh my gosh, I'm uncomfortable. But I think just believing, believing that it's all part of the process. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that answer. That's great. <laughs> well, where can our listeners uh, follow you on social media? Where would you like them to go first to know all about you? My Instagram is about the only one I can keep up with all the time. So at Kara Britz, K-A-R-A-B-R-I-T-Z, at Kara Britz. Awesome. <laughs> and what's the next show that you have coming up? Um, we play Crypto Arena on Friday night with Lauren Daigle. Awesome. So, 
Oh my gosh. Well, I will definitely be on the Instagram sidelines cheering you on all the way. It's always wonderful to see your posts and updates and, and you are such an inspiration and I'm just honored that you'd come on and have this chat with me. And I know that you're going to be very inspiring to everybody else who's listening, but thank you for I taking really, the time. Thank you for having me. It was an honor of mine. Absolutely. Great. Well, I will give you back the rest of your day. We'll say goodbye for now and uh, wish you well on all of your incredible vocal adventures. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career.